Today we're wrapping up a series, a four-part series we've been in called Out With The Old. And the goal of this series has been helping us improve our relationship with God. And if, if you were here, if you celebrated Christmas with us, you'll remember that we talked about the reason Jesus was born, the reason he came to this world to be born as a human being, to ultimately sacrifice his life and raise again from the dead. The reason is to restore us in a relationship with our Heavenly Father, that God could be reunited with us and we could be reunited with him. We can have this awesome connection together. And throughout this series, we've been using some verses from a letter called Romans to kind of give us a framework for what this relationship should look like. And the Apostle Paul says this, he, talking about Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified or made right with God through faith, we can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. From God's perspective, this is how he wants us to kind of approach, excuse me, our relationship with him. That our mindset, our hearts would be filled with peace as we go to him, that we would understand the freedom and the access that we have to just talk to him, be with him, sit with him, go to him anytime, anyplace, anywhere. There's nothing that needs to be between us anymore. Jesus paid the full price to make that possible, to give us access. The problem is, is that many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, our relationship with God doesn't look like this. Rather than have peace we have some hesitancy. Rather than feeling like we can freely go to God, we have questions, we have some resistance. We wonder, yeah, but, and what about, and all these different things. And, and those are unnecessary roadblocks that stand in the way. Jesus died to remove anything between us and God, yet so often we allow old things to get in the way of what he opened the door to make possible. And so every week we've been talking about those old things, old views about God, old views about ourselves, old views about religious practices and behaviors and, and all sorts of different things and, and trying to learn or understand how to do out with the old and in with the new so that our relationship with God can improve and be better. And I think most of us here, hopefully most of us online, I think we want our relationship with God to look like this, right? I think this is where we'd like to be. It's just, this isn't where it is so often. And I think there's some other verses that come a little later in Romans that are sometimes where we might unfortunately relate to a little more. It says this, the trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but Man, I just just don't do it. You ever felt like that before? You don't have to raise a hand, but listen, I, I, I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I end up doing what I hate. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but man, if I'm honest with myself, I end up doing it anyway. This What, what Paul is describing here is not a, a Christian thing. It's not a religious thing. It's not a church thing. It's a human thing. Whether we want to call it, sin is the word that is used in the Bible. I know sometimes sin is a word that makes some of us uncomfortable. We want to call it issues or mistakes or 
put any label on it, it's all the same thing. There are these things about us, behaviors, attitudes, emotions that we wish we didn't do, that we wish could be different. Maybe for some of us, it's, it's I wish I didn't get as angry as I do. I don't want to get angry, but you know what? I just, like Paul said, I end up doing it anyway. I want to be able to forgive. Okay, that's, that's, that's what I want to do, but I end up doing the complete opposite. You ever felt like that before? I mean, I wish, you know what? I don't want to give into an addiction, alcohol, drugs, whatever. I don't want to give into that, but by golly, I seem to find myself in the same place time and time again. You know what? I want to stop looking at porn, but I just, I just, I feel like I can't break that. What am I going to do with that? I feel like I'm a slave to this sort of thing. I, I wish I could spend my money better and have a little more wisdom when it comes to finances, but I end up doing the complete opposite. Now I'm stressed and in trouble and more money left at the end of the, more month left at the end of the money. You know, I, I wish, I wish I didn't feel so anxious. And my anxiety is always at like a 10 and I'm worried and I'm afraid I don't want to be like that, but I end up living like that most days anyway. I want to be less selfish, but I'm not. I want to treat my spouse better, but but I can't. I want to tell the truth more, but I end up lying. And I don't even know how I get to that point. I want to be more patient with my kids, but I end up losing my cool so often. I think every single one of us have at least probably more areas in our life that we wish were different. We wish we could do what's right, but we inevitably end up doing what's wrong. What do we do with that? I think for most of us, we just, we recognize it, we realize it. And so we go on this journey to try and fix it. You know, many of us, when we, when we struggle with these things, we tell ourselves, well, I'm just, I'm just going to use my willpower to overcome them. I'm just going to force myself to be different. Okay, I don't want to be angry. And so when I'm, when I'm driving down 35 in rush hour traffic, I'm just going to punch the steering wheel instead of somebody else. You know, oh, I'm going to be like that. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, when, when my boss says something that really irritates me, I'm just going to use calm breathing so I don't blow up on them. You know, we just think, if we just grit our teeth a little harder. We can will ourselves into being less angry. Or, or maybe it's with, with spending, you know, man, I, I want to get my frivolous spending under control. And so I'm going to, I'm going to force myself. I'm going to, I'm going to wait 24 hours before I buy something. I'm going to budget so I don't have to make payments or I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give some money away. I'm going to start saving because we just think if I can try harder, if I can squeeze a little bit more, then I'll be able to fix that thing that, 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 that is longing for whatever we think a purchase is going to buy. I, I can fix that, right? I can overcome it. I can use my willpower. Boom, there it is. And I think we believe that because we've all seen the motivational posters and books and podcasts that say, you can do whatever you want to do, right? The eagle flying over the water. Okay, oh, me and one other person have seen that poster. So, right, we tell ourselves, I can do, any, you can do anything you set your mind to. That sounds really good. The only problem is it's not true. You know, we can't flap our arms hard enough and fast enough to fly like a bird. And we can't will our way out of some of these sins that we struggle with. It's, it's not that 
having a strong willpower and being dedicated and setting goals, those are all fine things. It's just they're incapable of changing where the problem really lies. And I think we get into trouble, especially in, in Christian circles and around churches. And I don't know if maybe we heard it in a message somewhere or we read it in a book or we just thought it ourselves with like, man, okay, if I really loved God, then I wouldn't have to deal with this anymore. And we beat ourselves up because as much as we try to love God, we still struggle with this thing. We can accomplish small, temporary changes, well, band-aids through willpower, but the second we're squeezed, the second we're stressed, the second something triggers us, maybe a moment when we're alone and nobody else is around, our willpower goes out the window. Why? Because you and I are a slave to sin. There is a deep issue inside. Some of us, we've tried the willpower thing before and we're honest enough with ourselves to admit, yeah, that didn't work. And so we go a different route. We go down the route of knowledge and information. We just think if I just read another book, if I just listen to another TED Talk, if I just subscribe to another podcast, maybe even if I just do a little more Bible study, then I'll be able to overcome these issues, right? If, if I just learn more information about coping mechanisms, then I'll, then I'll be good on the inside. If I just read 10 more books from scientists about anxiety, then I'll be able to get mine under control. If I just learn some more Greek and Hebrew words, then you know the, the answers are going to magically pop off the pages of the Bible and I'll be fixed on the inside. And again, it's not that information and study is bad. Those are wonderful tools. They're not bad things. They're just bad at changing us. Information does not produce transformation all on its own. And I think if you and I stop long enough to think about this, we'll all come to the same conclusion. But when it comes to forgiveness, there's not a one of us here in the room or one of us online or listening to the podcast not one of we know all the information about the benefits of forgiveness. We know plenty of information about the negative side effects of holding unforgiveness. We've heard enough church messages. Some of us have read enough Bible verses. We've seen the studies even from secular scientists and psychologists. We all have more than enough information to know I should forgive. But yeah, we fail to do it, don't we? I do, you do, we cannot see. I want to do this, but I end up doing what I don't want to do. Why? Because we're a slave to sin. There's an issue in here that information can't solve. I even think beyond that thing, for, for those of us that are Christians, we've experienced the pain of these sins, these things that we struggle with long enough. We've experienced pain in our own lives. We've experienced pain that it's caused other people. We want to be done. We wish these things were out of our lives. And so very sincerely, we pray and we ask God for a miracle. God, can you just reach down and turn off, you know, turn on the light switch in my heart so that I'm instantly better. Now, is God capable of doing that? 100 million percent absolutely he is should that be something that we talk to god about and keep open lines of communication 
God, I would really love you to absolutely we should we should talk to him about anything. We have peace with God, we have access with God. But should we expect God to do that as an all the time, every time solution? I don't think that'd be very wise. Certainly when you read the Bible, we don't see God working like that in every situation. And I know there have been times in my life where I have very sincerely said, God, please, just could you just make something different in me? And he didn't. That's a whole other message for another time, but the problem is not God. The problem is me and you and the fact that we are all too human and a slave to sin. There is a, in in the Bible, it's called a sinful nature. There is a tendency we have. There is a character defect in us that causes us to continue to sin. No matter how hard we try not to, no matter how much information we have, sometimes even no matter how much we pray about it, there's something on the inside that isn't right. And when we are unable to overcome those sins, we often end up at the same place that Paul ended up after writing this. It's just honesty from my heart. This is why do I keep doing these things? Paul said, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? This is almost like what we talked about last week, if you were here. When this is our view of ourselves, it's almost impossible to have a close relationship with God. When we feel like we are just so miserable and such losers, man, why can't I do, why can't I will my way? Why can't I learn my way? Why, you know, all those sorts of things. We don't sense there being peace between us and God. How could we? When, when we feel dominated by our sins, no matter how hard we try, we don't feel like we have open access to God. But listen, good news is, is that we don't need to keep doing this. We don't need to keep living this way. All of the ways that we've tried to address sin in our lives, at least those previous three strategies, the will and the knowledge and the miracles, those are old ways. Right after writing these words, what a miserable person I am, Paul goes on to say this, but thank God. Thank God. God that there is an answer. Thank God that there is a way that I couldn't get to myself. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is what the entire four-week series has been about, and I would argue this is what all of Christianity is about. The answer for any problem ultimately comes back to what God has done for us through Jesus, a relationship with our Heavenly Father that is possible because Jesus paid the price. Because Jesus opened the door, because we have access to God. And I, I, I think here's, here's the thing. If we stop and ponder about our old strategies for dealing with sin, I think we might come to the conclusion that maybe the reason they don't work is because we've been bypassing a relationship with God. Rather than go to God, rather than be with God, we think I got to try harder. Rather than be with God, we think I just have to learn more. Rather than be with God, sit with God, enjoy this access with God that we have, we just think, God, if you could just mail me a miracle and just, then I'll be good, right? 
And we end up bypassing the very thing that God sent his son to restore. How can our relationship with God improve if we're continually bypassing our relationship with God? I mean, the, the, the great news about Christianity is we don't have to keep trying the same old worn out strategies that don't work. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. In fact, in the very next chapter, Paul says this, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, because of your faith in him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. We don't need to feel miserable when we try and fail and learn and fail and all those things. We don't need to feel condemned anymore because we belong to God. Because we belong to God, we have access to a new hope, a new helper, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of every one of us who have put our trust in Jesus. The Holy Spirit has many different roles and, and, and functions, maybe different kind of names we can call him by. He's a guide. He's a comforter. He's a, he's a teacher. But I think if you kind of encapsulate everything the Holy Spirit does, he is our helper. He is our advocate, as he's known. He's our, our counselor. The Holy Spirit's role is to magnify the presence of God in our lives, to lead and guide us, to help us in our relationship with God. And here's the thing. When we allow the Holy Spirit to draw us closer to God, we are changed and transformed on the inside in ways that we could never achieve or accomplish on our own. It's, it's hard for us to kind of wrap our minds around what, is, what does this mean and, and what does it look like? But, but Paul in several of his letters kind of tells us at least how to begin thinking about it. In Galatians, Paul says this, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. What does that mean? What does it mean to have the Holy Spirit guide our lives. You know, is that like, Jesus, take the wheat, or Spirit, take the wheat? I don't know, you know? What does that mean? Let, let, me, let me explain it this way. This is, this is not a perfect analogy, but you know what I love? I love a really good hamburger. It's just, it's just a delicious food. You know, hamburgers are wonderful. The greasier, the better. Like, if it's just dripping down your arms, like, oh, that is so good, you know? And when I go out to a restaurant, chances are I'm going to order a burger because I don't think I've ever had a bad one, you know, and like I love all the new kind of ways chefs try and spice it up. I've had a burger before with peanut butter and an egg on it. <laughs> Some of you know what that's like. Okay, you have not lived if you have not had that. Um, I've had a bison burger before. I love doing smash burgers on my griddle. At a burger one time in Stillwater, instead of a bun, it was two slices of thick French toast. Okay, I might be lusting a little bit. Here's the thing. I just, I just love a good hamburger. They are so stinking good. But you know where I don't even think about hamburgers? When I'm at Fogo de Chow. My wife and I went to Fogo on Friday. We'd, we'd been given a gift card a, a while ago. We just hadn't used it yet. So it, it was nice to just go and hang out. But let me tell you, man, if you've never been to Fogo, you again, you're missing out on life, okay? 
figure out things so you can go there. Okay. But uh, I mean, it's just, it's an endless supply of delicious, perfectly cooked meats, house special picanha, filet mignon, ribeye, all you can eat. It is the epitome of American laziness, which I am not advocating for, but you don't even get up from your seat. They just serve you sitting there all you could possibly want. They ask you how you want to. I mean, it is a magical place. Forget Disney, okay? This is where the real magic happens. It is wonderful. And here's the thing. I have never once tried to make myself not want a hamburger. Okay, that's ridiculous. I don't care if some study comes out tomorrow from super smart scientists that say eating a hamburger is bad for your health. I'm still going to do it anyway, okay? I've never once prayed, God, help me not want hamburgers anymore. That's ridiculous. But when I'm at Fogo, it's not even on my radar. My heart and my mind are guided by something else. They're called gauchos. And they walk around with big skewers of meat. It was not guided by the Holy Spirit, okay? Guided by something else. And when I am at Fogo, there's no room for craving a hamburger. I'm satisfied without that thing. And again, that's not a perfect analogy for the whole, how the Holy Spirit works, but it's close. It's the same basic principle. When we allow the Holy Spirit to draw our hearts closer to God, we are filled and satisfied, more satisfied at least, on the inside. In a different letter, in Ephesians, Paul says this, since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. I think every single one of us would say, yeah, I want to do that. Even if it's apart from the Christianity thing, I want to throw off this old way of life that is so painful. How? That's the problem. But here's the answer. Let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. When we allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to teach us, to guide us, to help us in our relationship with God, all of those spaces, those needs, those beliefs, those emptiness inside of us that cause us to sin, those start to become more and more filled and satisfied in the presence of God. And as God's presence in our lives goes up, by nature, by default, our sinful nature has less and less room. Not that we'll ever be perfect this side of heaven, but there is a direct correlation. It, it all comes back to spending time with God. And the Holy Spirit is given to help us in that endeavor, to help us spend time with God. And I think if there's one thing that that I miss so often, what I would guess most of us miss, and certainly people in our world miss so often, is just taking the time to be with God. We, maybe some of us, we don't even know what that means. What does it mean to spend time with God? It, let's just say one, one of the, the sins that we struggle with is anxiety. What would it look like to spend time with God, to allow the Holy Spirit to renew us when it comes to anxiety. It's probably going to look a little bit different for all of us. We have different personalities and those sorts of things, but I think there's some basic principles. Part of spending time with God is just talking to him. We call that prayer and 
and giving God time and opportunity to communicate back to us, even if it's not audible. But so often, you know, when, when we, we pray, we just pray for our list of needs or, you know, pray the Lord's prayer, or maybe, you know, good food, good meat, good God, let's eat sort of thing. And like, that's, I mean, that's fine, I guess, but that's not spending time with God, spending time with God in prayer. God, I'm feeling anxious. I don't want to hide this from you. I want to tell you how I feel. I want to tell you what I'm worried about. I want to tell you the situation that causes my my worries to kind of shoot through the rough. God, I just, I need someone to just kind of bear it all and get it off my chest. Father, we open and honest as I just talk to you and then give God some time, some space to just sit there. I think spending time with God would look like reading his word. When we're feeling anxious and worried, God, what do you say about that? Okay, I don't need to learn more information, but God, I need you to remind me through your word. You care about the lilies in the field. You care about the birds in the sky. How much more you care about me? Holy Spirit, I want you to make that real inside. Not just words on a page. Not just something I read in a, you know, a, book or heard in a message. Holy Spirit, I want you to magnify the presence of my Father. Just sit with those thoughts, with his word. I think spending time with God honestly just looks like a lot of pondering. I mean, maybe some of that is, I do think we need to take some quiet time, some dedicated time and set aside, but even beyond that, driving to work, sitting in the office, at lunch, having a conversation with Whatever we're doing is an opportunity to be aware of God, to invite him into those different moments in our day. And and again, be reminded, okay, you know what? I'm not just going to read that verse and then be done and check it off a list. Spending time with God is not about a checklist. It's God, I want to remember what you said. I want you, I want to give you opportunity all day as I think and ponder and try and imagine you and see things from your perspective. It's giving you an opportunity to transform me. Sometimes I think, you know, spending time with God might look like talking to a friend, a friend who either knows God themselves or is is headed that direction, or maybe has struggled with that particular sin that we struggle with, most like in a mentorship sort of thing, you know, where, what, what have you found? What has God told you? You know, help me, help me understand this. Can we spend time with God together? I found incredible value in my life and praying with other people and, and hearing how they talked to God inspires me that then to then want to spend more time. I mean, I think more than anything else, it's this is gonna sound so simplistic, but it it is. It's just sitting with God. It's not something else to do. It's not step one, two, three, four, five, six, and then we're good, and then we go on through. It's it's a different approach to life. It's a different approach to our time. It's just sitting with him. And here's, here's the thing I will guarantee. It takes a lot of time and it takes a long time, but over time, if we feel anxious, we will start to experience more of who God is and his peace. And that will replace our anxious thoughts. The more time we sit with God, talk to him, read his, even just be silent in his presence. So uncomfortable, so hard for us to do. And our 
fast-paced, instant gratification, noise world, you know, the more time we sit with God, the more we, I hesitate to say learn, the more we trust God because his presence reveals to us that we can trust him. And the more we trust him, the more that goes up, the more the Holy Spirit magnifies that in us, the less room there is for our sinful nature. So here's, here's just a question I want to leave us with. What sin in your life, issue, mistakes, or what thing in your life do you wish was different? If you could just pick one, what would it be? And then a follow-up question would be, what strategy are we using to address that sin? If we're struggling with, we're having an affair, or we're thinking about having an affair, let's not engage in that physically, okay? Let's, there, there's definitely some physical things we can do. But if we are putting our hope in our willpower, that's going to fail. Let's instead lean into this relationship with God. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to transform us. If we, if, if we have a, 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 just an issue with anger, what if we gave more opportunity for the Holy Spirit to renew us rather than trying to renew ourselves? If there's an addiction that we want to be, whatever, I mean, just go down the line. What if we got out with the old strategy and instead leaned into this new relationship with God that Jesus made possible, the Holy Spirit? What if we allowed him to renew us? I, I actually think maybe we can trust God with that. Maybe what he said would happen would actually happen. That more than just addressing symptoms, more than just behaviors, more than looking good on the outside, I actually think maybe God could transform us on the inside and renew us where it matters most. Let's talk to God together. Father, you, I'm, I'm so confident you see us with these behaviors and these these sins that we have. And I, I believe your heart hurts when we do that. You don't want us to engage in these things. You see the pain it causes in our lives and, and other people's lives. And Father, I just, I just think you, okay, I know you don't shake your head at us, but I just, I sense you wanting to lean over so much and say, let me help you with that. Let me do what I can do. And and God, I guess today, I just want to say for me, I want to say on behalf of all of us, we want that, Father. We want to lay down, surrender our will, surrender our old ways, surrender what we think we can accomplish and do and all those things. Father, we want to put those old things aside and instead lean into you. Lean into being more connected to you, Holy Spirit. I want to give you permission in my life. Collectively, we pray together. Holy Spirit, we want to give you permission to draw our hearts closer to our Heavenly Father. Holy Spirit, we want to give you permission to transform and renew us on the inside. Holy Spirit, we want to put aside our way of doing things and what we think and instead allow you to be our guide our helper. 
Father, I, I just I ask you that through your Holy Spirit, you would guide each one of us to be with you more than we have before. In whatever way that needs to look, may you touch our hearts, draw our hearts. Holy Spirit, do your work to enhance and to make this relationship with God thing more and more the driving element in our lives. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. Continue to draw each one of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.